All righty. Are you awake? That was good, wasn't it? I like that. That last song, I think that's perfect for this morning. Hey, I want to welcome you uh, online again. Thank you for being with us. We don't have any sermon notes this morning, so don't feel like you're missing out something. We're in the middle of a series called Walking with Jesus, and, uh, and this morning, <laughs> I want to talk about living in the Spirit, uh, but we may or may not get there, so we'll see how that goes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks again for the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, for your holy presence in this place, in the worship as we sing to you. You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker. You are the one who is at work when we see you, when we don't see you, when we feel you, when we don't feel you, Father. You're the one who's at work when it makes sense to us, when it doesn't make sense to us. You are always at work, and you are always at work for the best for us. And we thank you for that. Father, just empty me of myself this morning. Fill me with your spirit so that as I speak, I'm not saying the things of my mind, but of yours. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you preaching, Frank? (laughs) Just putter around there, bud. (laughs) You ever had anyone that... um, that you don't know personally that's been highly recommended to you. Could be, I don't know, go back to the dating days, you know. Oh, no, no, she's perfect for you. He's perfect for you. Could be a contractor or someone if you're hiring someone. You know, oh, i got the perfect person for you. My experience has been that that advice is received not so much on the person that, that they're recommending to you, but on the person who's making the recommendation. If this is someone that, you know, you trust, you've seen them, and, and you know, man, they're, they're rock solid, you're going to listen to what they say. But if they're someone else, you know, one of those people that, you know, not really going into business with you, then you're going to think twice about accepting or listening to whatever it is, whatever advice they might have for you. Well, this morning, we're going to look at someone that Jesus Christ recommended highly. And if Jesus Christ recommends someone highly... You need to turn your ear toward it, right? So we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 35. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn there. If not, it's going to be up on the screen right there. And you all know this person. Luke 7, 18, 35. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, The disciples of John the Baptist told John about everything that Jesus was doing. At this time, Jesus is... Healing, all kinds of stuff is going on. His ministry is taken off. So John called for two of his disciples, and he sent them to the Lord to ask him, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Now, a little bit of background. John's in prison at this time. He had publicly um, berated Herod for marrying his half-brother's divorced wife, Philip, which was not allowed in, in the Jewish circle, and and Herod was a Jewish person, he was a Hebrew, and John spoke out against this, because that's the kind of person that John was. So Herod had John arrested for doing this, and now he's sitting in prison. Take no notice of the man behind the curtain. (laughs) 
So he has John thrown in prison. And it's kind of an intriguing question that John asks. Go and ask Jesus if he is the Messiah or should we be looking for someone else? It's very intriguing because John has had a number of encounters with Jesus at this point. First off, he's related to Jesus. We're not sure exactly what relationship, but his mother and, and John's mother were related. And the very first time that John encountered Jesus was in the womb. It's an incredible passage of scripture. Mary's pregnant. Elizabeth is pregnant. That's John's mother. She's six months pregnant. And when Mary and Elizabeth come together, it says the baby in Elizabeth's womb, John, leapt with joy. It says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. And, and at this encounter with Jesus, he leapt with joy. It's the only time in the Bible where we see somebody who is filled with the Holy Spirit before birth. You don't see that from anybody else. Now, obviously, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit before birth because he was by the Holy Spirit. That's how he came to be. So this this first encounter is, is a real spiritual encounter. You've got John in the womb, filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. Fetuses... And they get together, and, and John leaps. Now, I can't help myself. I love, so I'm looking at this. So, so Elizabeth is six months pregnant with John. So I looked up, well, what's a baby like at six months pregnant? Well, they're upright. So I'm thinking, if you leap, what do you got to do? You got to launch off of something, right? So this baby is in Elizabeth's womb, and he's upright. And I'm thinking, what did he launch off of? Probably her bladder. I digress. <laughs> How would you like that, moms? <laughs> now, we don't know how much, if any, contact that, that Jesus and John had together as they were growing up. Jesus was raised in Nazareth. John's dad served at the temple in Jerusalem, so he probably was raised in Jerusalem. So after this encounter, there's a good chance that John and Jesus never saw each other again until the time that, that, around the time that Jesus gets baptized by John. We do know that once John was old enough, he went off to live in the wilderness. John 1.8, says, John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. So he's off in the wilderness and, and spent some time out there. He's about the same age, a little bit older than Jesus, and we know that Jesus didn't begin his ministry till he was 30. Well, Jesus has been baptizing maybe for a year or so. We don't know how long, but he spent quite a bit of time out in the ministry. So it's quite possible that John and Jesus didn't meet each other again until the baptism. And that was another spirit-filled encounter. Jesus comes to John to be baptized, and after the baptism, there's this Holy Spirit moment. In Matthew and Mark and Luke, you see this. I got the one from Luke. It says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. And John witnessed it and he testified to it. In the gospel of John, it says in John chapter one, verse 29 through 34, it says the next day, 
John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew who Jesus was. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is greater than I am. For he existed long before me. And this is interesting. I did not recognize him as the Messiah. I never know. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've read John. I did not notice that until this week. I did not recognize him as the Messiah. But I've been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified. I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting on him. I didn't know he was the one. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descends and rests is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. There's all kinds of interesting stuff in that little passage of Scripture. I mean, initially, John didn't recognize Jesus as the Messiah. He said, I I didn't know he was the one. But God had revealed to him, when I send this person to you, when you see the Holy Spirit coming down, that's your sign. This is the one. This is the Messiah. So he knows who Jesus is. And he said, I testify that he is the one chosen. He is the chosen one of God. And he verifies that a little bit further on. He says, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Now, all of this, because it's very intriguing that John would send the disciples to ask this question. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should we expect someone else? It's kind of weird that John would ask that question. We'll circle around to that. Carries on in verse 21. At that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses, and evil spirits. And he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back to John and tell him what you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. What a weird thing to tag on the end. Go back and tell John everything that you've seen. Oh, and tell him that God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. It's weird. So Jesus sends John's disciples back. Tell him all that you've seen. He doesn't answer John's question. He doesn't say, I am the one. That doesn't come up in it all. He doesn't answer the question. He says, just go back and tell him what you have seen. But John already knows this because the reason that he sent his disciples is because they had gone there and they were telling John in prison what Jesus was doing. He already knows what Jesus is doing. So his disciples come and they watch Jesus see, they see Jesus do all this stuff. He sends them back to him. Tell him what he already knows. Oh, Blessed are those who do not fall away because of me. Okay, we'll loop back to that. 
It says, after John's disciples left, so they're gone, Jesus began talking about him to the crowd. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of the wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People who wear beautiful clothes live in a, live in a look, clothes and live in luxury are found in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. And he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. Jesus is quoting a passage of scripture from Isaiah there. All the people have been waiting for the Messiah to come, and they know that before the Messiah comes, there's going to be one who heralds in the Messiah. And Jesus is telling all the people right now, that's John. This is John that this scripture was talking about 400 years ago. He says, I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Now think about that. Abraham was described as the most faithful of men. Moses was described as the most humble of men. David is described as the warrior king, the greatest king of the Israelite nation. Solomon was described as the wisest man ever. And Jesus tells this crowd, John is above all of them. That's pretty high praise, isn't it? And then he says this, Yet even the least person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. What an incredibly encouraging word from God. That when we enter into the kingdom of God, all of our brokenness, all of our failings, all of our regrets, everything that that is just icky about us is gone. And this is such a word of encouragement. He is saying that the greatest person on earth is not as good as the least person in heaven. That's what awaits us. When we get up there, The least person in heaven is better than the greatest person on earth. Is that not good news? Because you and I are going to be up there. We're part of this group of people that Jesus is talking about. You, when you get there, will be better than the greatest person on earth. And I think that applies to everything in heaven. The greatest emotion that you've ever felt here is nothing compared to what you will feel there. The most love you've ever felt here is nothing compared to what you will experience there. The most beautiful scene that you've ever seen in your life. Maybe you've been up on a mountain and just seen some beautiful things. I've seen some beautiful places in my life. Nothing compared to what waits for us in heaven. The best that we have here doesn't compare to the worst there. I think it's great news. He says, when they heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right. For they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them. For they had refused John's baptism. Now John's baptism was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now understanding that the word repentance means to change your mind or to change how you think. To be baptized by John then was an acknowledgement of the need of forgiveness. I need forgiveness of my sins. I'm broken. I need, we change our mind. Jesus is the forgiver. John is the forerunner of Jesus. You need forgiveness. The one who can forgive you is coming. That's what this is about. The Pharisees 
didn't think they were in need of forgiveness. So they rejected God's plan for their lives. They had their law. They had their rituals. They had their traditions. They had their heritage. And in their minds, that was all that they needed. When they went out to John, they were questioning John. Who do you think you are baptizing people? What do you, are you a prophet? No. Are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Well, who, who are you to baptize me? I'm a son of Abraham. I got it made. They didn't believe they needed forgiveness. Jesus continues on. He says, To what can I compare the people of this generation? Jesus asked. How can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in a public square. They complained to their friends. We played a wedding song. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't weep. For John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine and you say he is possessed by a demon. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. People will hear what they want to hear, and people will believe what they want to believe. We all come across that, don't we? And it doesn't matter what evidence is presented to them. They've already made up their mind. This is what it is. I don't care about the evidence. This is what it is. The Pharisees didn't believe John, the forerunner of Jesus. And they don't believe Jesus either. The same evidence that was available to John's disciples, that they're going back to talk to John about, the Pharisees saw exactly the same evidence. To these people, they're going back to say, yeah, that's Jesus. That's the Messiah. The Pharisees see the same thing. Ah, he's of the devil. I have nothing to do with him. And I love that last statement. Wisdom is shown to be right by the lives of those who follow it. In other words, your life will bear fruit of what you follow. What was it that uh, Forrest Gump? Stupid is as stupid does, right? If you follow wisdom, your life will bear the fruit of wisdom. It will be characterized by wisdom. If you follow money, your life will be dominated by money and the trappings of money and the worries of money. If you follow ego, your life will be dominated by ego and the desire to please people or to look good in other people's eyes or maybe to be in a position of authority. If you follow licentious pleasures, pleasures of the flesh, your body, your your life will be dictated by that. You will be a slave to it. And if you follow the Holy Spirit, your life will be dominated by the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit. John the Baptist was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And his life was characterized as one filled with the Spirit of God. And yet, here we find him discouraged and imprisoned through no fault of his own. He came as a a voice calling in the desert. Make way for the Messiah. Jesus is coming. It was a role that he was born to do, and it was a role that he accomplished. Prepare the way for Jesus. And he did what he was called to do. And now he sits in a prison cell awaiting his fate. He saw Jesus. He baptized Jesus. He saw the Holy Spirit come down on Jesus. When he was a preborn baby, for goodness sake, he knew it was Jesus. And now he's asking the question, are you the one or should we look for someone else? Now, why would he ask 
this question. Now, I was discussing this with my small group recently. And someone there suggested that maybe John was sending his disciples to Jesus so that Jesus' identity would be affirmed to them. Off you go, go, go see if he really is Jesus. And that might have been the case, but I don't believe so. There are lots of scriptures where John plainly tells his disciples, um, John chapter 3 is a good one. He tells them, that's the Messiah. He's the one. Follow after him. There's no ambiguity here. So I think more is going on. A couple of reasons I believe this. When John sent the disciples to ask the question, the question he asked was inclusive. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? He included himself in the question. He was telling them to ask on behalf of themselves and himself. And the second reason is Jesus' strange response. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, the good news is being preached to the poor. No new news for John. Oh, and God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Jesus is telling John, I want you to stay strong. You've been faithful, John. You did everything I asked you to do, John. Don't fall away now. See, from John's perspective, he's been faithful. He's done everything. He's spoken the word truthfully. He stood up and spoke what needed to be said. That's why he's in prison and he's going to die there shortly. He's a man of integrity. He's asked all that, did all that God asked him to do. And now he sits in a prison cell and his future is uncertain and he's scared. And he's worried. And I'm sure he prays daily, God, would you get me out of here? I had this ministry going on. People were coming. I was sending them to Jesus. God, would you get me out of here? Jesus is out there performing miracles. Surely he can come and get me. Jesus, will you come and fix my problem? And Jesus' response, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Have you ever prayed for something earnestly, hopefully, consistently? God, would you do this thing? My wife's got cancer. My kid's going off the deep end, drugs and everything else. God, would you do this thing for me? Please, please, please. And God doesn't do it. That's hard, isn't it? I talk to people about that sometimes. Why? And then you're left with mixed emotions. Disappointment, discouragement, maybe some resentment, maybe some anger. And the question, why? Why would you allow this to happen, God? You put yourself in John's situation. I've been faithful all of my life, God. I have worked for you and you alone, nothing else. 
Why would you let this happen? You know, not everything that God allows makes sense to us. So you see, things are set up a little bit differently here this morning. We're going to close our service a little differently this morning. Let me tell you something. (laughs) This is not where I was going to go with this. I wanted to transition out of that passage of Scripture about John... And talk about how John was a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And what we can learn from John, a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Because living a Spirit-filled life is God's desire for all of us. I mean, that's the life to live. That's the life of power. That's the life of hope, of joy, and everything else. It's like, yeah, baby. A life of strength and hope. (laughs) Who doesn't want that? And we're going to do that, but not today. We're going to pick it up next week. This morning, the Holy Spirit led me to a place that I wasn't expecting to go. He said, I want you to pray this morning. I want you to pray for broken people. I want you to pray for hurt people. I want you to pray for those who are fearful and worried. I want you to pray for those people who've called upon my name for something and it never happened for them and now they're broken and they've got questions. He says, I've got a blessing for them. Blessed are you who do not fall away on account of me. So we're going to spend some time in prayer this morning. Now, please accept my apologies if you're visiting. Um, This might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to do it, so we're doing it. This isn't how we normally conclude our service here. But I really feel strongly that it's what the Holy Spirit did. So we're going to spend some time together in prayer. And I'm not going to put anybody on the spot so you can relax. Now, this is for those who are here, and it's for those who are online. There are four ways that we can pray for you, okay? First way, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Now, we got the old COVID thing on the rise again, don't we? And we need to be wise. So some of our elders and their wives are going to come forward if you would just come up. And I've got some chairs set up here. And I'm going to invite you to come down for prayer. If you're not comfortable coming down for prayer, but you would still like prayer, the second way is you can fill out a card. In a seat near you, you'll see a card that says prayer request. You can fill it out. Have a seat. Sit down. Drop it in the offering bucket as you go out there. Or you can go to our website. On our website, there's a a place where it says contact. You hit contact and right in there, prayer requests. And you can go in there. And if you are online, if you are on the internet, my wife and Lynn Moore are set up to talk to you right now. If you would like prayer, just message them, not in the general chat. They'll take you off to a little private room and they'll pray for you. You might have to wait a moment if there are a lot of people. But if you've been feeling stressed or hurt or you've been wondering, where's God? You've been worried or you're afraid. Whatever might be going on, 
Let us pray for you. Jesus has a message for you. God blesses those who do not fall away because of him. I'm going to invite you right now. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting you to come on up and sit down with somebody here for prayer. I'm going to keep on talking once you come up. You can come up, John. I'll just be Don't be shy. You know, last night, I couldn't sleep. I had a horrible night. Just restless. And the little bit of sleep that I got, I had nightmares. And then I had this weird dream, and I hate doing this kind of stuff, because this is going out on the internet, too. I had this weird, weird dream. And I kept, every time I would doze off, I'd have the stupid dream again. And it it would wake me up, and it was a frustrating dream, and I'd go back to sleep, and it would wake me up again. And it just went all night until 5 o'clock, and I got up this morning. And And it was in a church, and it was so strange. There was this panel of wood up behind me like this, and it was split in the middle. There, there was a number of, you know how dreams are, it's, it's weird. There was a bunch of different ones. And, and I knew I needed to fix the wood. And I got my wood glue out and, and I put the glue on it. And, and no matter what I did, the piece of wood wouldn't fix. It kept sliding down or it wouldn't line up this way. And, it, you know, all night I'm trying to fix this stupid panel of wood. And I couldn't fix it. And I got up this morning at 5 o'clock and I was just disturbed. And I went out to the family room and I'm, and I'm praying, God, what's going on? And I'm praying, is this the Holy Spirit? Is, it, is this spiritual warfare? Because I knew I was going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Is this spiritual warfare? And I started praying about that. And all of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit so clearly say to me, no, this is not spiritual warfare, Mike. This is me. This is the Holy Spirit. I want you to take the piece of wood to church with you. You know, sometimes our lives look good. They look all shiny and clean on the outside and good. But the reality is that they're broken. And right before I finally got out of bed, it came to me what the problem was. The glue wasn't going to work. Didn't matter if I glued it this way, that way, the other way. If I clamped it, whatever. The glue was not going to work. There was nothing I could do to fix the wood. And I just felt God speak to me this morning. He said, sometimes that's people's lives. It's not getting fixed. It's not going to be fixed. And there's nothing you can do. Blessed is the one who does not fall away because of me.
Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want God to answer our prayers. And we stay broken. So what is the blessing? God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I love you. You're a child of mine. In your brokenness, I love you. In this pain, I love you. In this thing that's not being fixed, I still love you. And I will be with you. And I will walk with you through it. And if you let me, I will use it to bring healing to other people. You know, there was one little thing that didn't catch until I was almost on my way here this morning. John never got to hear what Jesus had to say about him. I thought, what was John's blessing? Jesus sent the disciples back to John before he spoke to the people about who John was and that no one greater than John had ever walked the earth. John never got to hear any of that. But what a blessing John has. Billions of people know the name John the Baptist. Probably after Jesus... Maybe Paul. He's one of the best known characters in all the Bible. Everybody knows John the Baptist, right? He never gets out of prison. Shortly after this, he has his head chopped off and he dies in prison. Blessed is the one who does not fall away because of me. If you're sitting here this morning and you're hurt, or you're broken, let us pray for you. God wants to strengthen you. God wants you to know that he loves you, that he is with you, and that he cares for you. Don't be shy. There's a spot here. Well, we'll wait for people to be available. If you're online, connect with Lynn Moore, connect with Sandra, and they'll pray with you. We have a little bit of music in the background. You have something? Sorry to spring that upon you. Here's how we're going to end the service. I want to give anybody that wants prayer a chance to come up and get prayer. So we're going to end quietly. I'm going to pray for us in a moment. Please be faithful with your offering. The offering basket's over there. If you've got a prayer request that you want to drop in there, drop it in there. Go online. Click that button. Let us know how we can pray for you. If you're on the internet, connect with Sandra. Connect with Lynn. You might have to wait a minute if there are two or three people that are talking. But I'm going to ask that you quietly and peacefully make your way out of here after I've prayed but if you'd like to just sit and pray or you want to come up and pray don't resist the Holy Spirit do what God is leading you to do let's pray Heavenly Father you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords Father Jesus said come to me all of you who are burdened for my yoke is light and I will bring you peace Father, we live in a broken world. And we're broken people. 
I know you brought that dream to me last night of that brokenness, Father. And I thank you for that. Father, I ask that you would just reach down now wherever people are that need prayer. Maybe they're just sitting there quietly and their heart is broken. Maybe they're online. And they've got those things in their lives where they've prayed and they've asked. And Gosh, it could be something that we just want to get through, Father. Something that holds us prisoner. Maybe it's a loved one who's sick. Maybe it's money concerns. Maybe it's marriage concerns. Who knows? And they've called upon your name, Father, and and they're wondering if you hear. Father, reach down and let them know that you care, that you hear. Whether you do what we want or whether you choose not to do what we want, Father, let us know that you care and that you are with us and that you love us. We need you, Father. We need you in this broken, lonely world to spread your love in our lives. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please feel free to continue to come forward for prayer. Just exit quietly. Thank you.